three, two, one, and we're going. Josh, man, how's it going? Good. Just been uh, every day feels like a, a mix of a Monday and a Friday. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it does. Hey, man, first off, thank you so much for joining, especially during just these ridiculous times that we're going through right now. Hey, it's my pleasure. Uh, it's it's uh, crazy, crazy times. But, you know, I'm, I always stick the mentality that, you know, today could be your last day on Earth. So, you know, do everything that you can. That's beautiful, man. So, so let's dive right into that. Actually, I think it'd be cool to start with the heavy hitter instead of you know, and then we'll get into backstory later. Um, you know, what are you doing right now with your business? How, how are things behaving? How are you, you know, circumventing issues? Talk me through what's going on with COVID nineteen right now. So, um, you know, we had our biggest sales day of the year yesterday. Today's already beating that. Um, for snow specifically, the other businesses are doing very well now as well. There's obviously a lot of evolution that had to take place over the last 30 days. It was not always like this. Um, so, you know, we've we've made the pivots. And I think as a small agile team, this is when, you know, if you have the ability to, we're blessed to be able to work from home. We're blessed to be able to deliver products to our customers still. And you know, all of that stuff that, you know, I, I don't take for granted one second, but um, it's an honor to be able to grow in a time that is very uncertain. So um, right now, you know, things are going very well. They weren't 30 days ago, but now that we've made several adaptations to our business model, to our copy, our angles, our, you know, everything, the back end, you know, the shopping car. I mean, we've made so many changes in the last 30 days um, just so that we could survive. And now we're thriving. And now that we're thriving, we're doubling down on what's working. So it, it almost sounds like it might have an adverse effect. Are you able to keep up with that type of scale that quickly? Um, you know, we didn't plan for, um, you know, we're right now, you know, last seven days and looking out forward seven days, are going to be like, you know, Black Friday levels of sales and traffic. I mean, just on snow, um, we'll have close to 100,000 uh, unique people that uh, visited the website and shopped with us. Um, so it's a lot. So we, we did it. You know, I, I'd be lying if I said we we planned one. Nobody knew that, you know, COVID would do what it's doing and nobody planned for work from home. Like we had to adapt very quickly. So in terms of supply chain, we also weren't planned. Uh, we didn't plan ahead for these type of sales. So we're doing, you know, we're a bit behind on, we do all of our own fulfillment. So we're a bit behind on receiving some shipments, on getting shipments out. So, you know, customers are going to have to wait, you know, and, you know, maybe an extra week. And we hate to do that. But, um, you know, uh, they have been very gracious and understanding during these times. So, yeah, I, you know, we're we weren't prepared for any of this. I mean, from any aspect you name it, we were not prepared for this. Um, so we had to get prepared for it. You know, kind of building the plane uh, in the air, so to speak. And you know, nothing's perfect, but we're um, we, we're we're getting some great tailwind, um, and and that's helping us a lot. We are still up in the air, all hands on deck. So I can't complain from those aspects. I just wish we had known that we would need so much inventory and that we would need so many hands on deck. But, you know, at the end of the day, people are buying, 
They're excited. The people who have already received their product are posting more than ever before. They're staying home. They're whitening their teeth. We're launching our, our full-on launch for toothpaste very shortly here. So Snow is rocking and rolling. The other brands are doing very well as well. So we just it's just a matter of adapting as quickly as you can, finding what's working. And more than ever, if it's not working, kill it. I mean, like within seconds, it's just been a quick, quick adaptation. And we've been killing it so far. So that's amazing, man. I'm talking to a lot of people right now and I'm hearing like the most polarized answers that I possibly could imagine. You know, some people's businesses are absolutely suffering. Some people's businesses sound like snow. How do you how do you kind of rationalize? You know, I have my own theories, but how do you kind of rationalize that increase and that spike in revenue to like Black Friday numbers? That's quite insane, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really what it is, is that. um you know, really what it is, is it's it's more people, so more eyeballs on social media, on, on you know, in front of your ads more than ever before, and less advertisers, all the advertisers that, you know, can't scale during this period are stepping out of the auction marketplace. And what happens is an, uh, an auction works, you know, you have, you have certain people bidding um, and you have certain people supplying. So what happens is, if all of a sudden, if you were in charge of auctioning out, uh, auctioning off art pieces, and all of a sudden you got handed over an estate from an, a massive billionaire art collector, and he gives you uh, 10,000 pieces of art that are all highly sought after, but then you have no one bidding on them in the audience, you, you know, as an advertiser or, or a brand owner, you're sitting in the audience and now you're not having to compete with so-and-so from Dubai who's going to outbid you on these pieces of art. So what happened is you have more eyeballs on social media than before and less advertisers than before. So that combination means a um, you know a discount on ad pricing, more response through you know our email channels with our customers, our text message channels. Everyone's opening the emails from us, everyone's opening the text messages from us. They're they're even reading the mail that we send them. They I mean everything has increased from that side, the supply side. But the demand side has actually decreased. So we have a phenomenon happening here where you've got um, the perfect scenario for a brand owner because you're able to buy more uh, customers at a lower rate and they're that much more reactive, responsive. So one of the coolest things that I think you've said to me so far during this kind of situation, and I think that a lot of people don't understand this right now, is the idea of being greedy when others are fearful. Right. Like there's a lot of these companies that are pulling out right now. And a lot of them I see doing it prematurely. And I think that I think that it seems like there's a little bit of a, a backlash period where where companies are like, I think potentially snow, it sounded like went through it as well, where a company, you know, people are people went through this freak out period where I'm not buying anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't I don't know how long this is going to be going on. But then obviously we have pretty short tension spans as humans and uh, we go right back to to digital marketing. So I, I think that that's. That's really cool. So talk. So additionally, um, you know, with this situation, there's a lot of uh, obligations that that business owners fulfill outside of simply, um, you know, their own personal obligations of me meetings and revenue and profit and meeting growth projections and those kind of things. How do you see Snow going kind of outside of uh, just fulfilling those simple obligations as a business owner at this time? Are you guys doing anything with masks? Are you guys doing anything with PPE? Are you doing anything with donating to the community? How is, talk me through that. We are. I mean, we we run um, we run some different 
uh, uh, messaging um, as we identify what resonates with our audience. So we started with small businesses affected by COVID. And so we've been donating to various um, GoFundMes and we've got, we set aside some cash to continue to do that. Um, then we've, we've pivoted a little bit more toward uh, food banks. So donating meals to people. And then for Mother's Day, we're pivoting uh, once more toward um, single moms who were laid off as well as women-owned uh, businesses because we are primarily um, you know, a, a female uh, customer-driven brand and snow. And so um, you know, being hyper aware of that and also remaining sensitive to, um, you know, we, we had multiple opportunities to, you know, for example, hydrogen peroxide, which is one of the many ingredients in our proprietary serum for our whitening systems, um, you know, the CDC and the World Health Organization both recommend um, hydrogen peroxide for killing viruses and killing bacteria. It's just that's just how it's always been. So we could have taken it an, an aggressive angle that we would have felt good about as a brand where we could have said this could prevent, you know, coronavirus. That's, you know, that's just not true. And that's going to get you in trouble. And so we have to remain. There's two ways to go about it. You could be or there's the middle, which is kind of, I think, more of where the lines were at. You can capitalize on this time by being, you know, unfair or untruthful. That's never been a part of our mantra where, you know, I don't I can't sleep at night feeling good about that. So we just don't do that. Um, and the team's all on the same page regarding that. Do we give up some revenue in the short term? Sure. But that's not the business we're in. And then on the other side, we can be oblivious to the situation and just continue going along just how we're you know, pretending like there is no COVID and just running the same sales and, you know, all that stuff. So we chose to say, let's be aware of it. It's affecting everyone. It's affecting us. We're working from home, et cetera. How can we, you know, adapt our messaging? We said, well, wait a second. Um, snow has always been an alternative to going to the dentist or going to the store. It's an at-home Teeth whitening system, our products, our, our anti-aging lip scrub, lip balm. These are things, instead of going to the spa, instead of going to the dentist, you can do it at home. And I'm like, wait a second, everybody's at home right now. So um, we said, let's highlight the truth of what our brand is and what our product is, which is, you know, great, great quality results for a fraction of the price and the comfort of your own home. And it's like, oh, wait, that resonates perfectly with the moment. Why don't we highlight that? And then on the back end, you know, we've always donated to children who have, don't have access to dental care. We said, okay, we're going to continue doing that. But why don't we, you know, say, let's take a look at the times and realize that, you know, people are going without meals, small businesses are being affected, you know, single moms are being laid off. This is just the reality of what's going on today. What can we do to make a small uh, a dent of impact into what's relevant to our audience? So, the adaptation, the evolution of that very quickly, because we're an agile, we're a small, mighty team. We're able to, we're direct to consumer for the most part. We do have retailers and we do have things like that. But for the most part, this is where direct to consumer shines. This is where e-commerce shines because people are at home shopping more than ever before. You know, they're looking at things differently. They're not going and buying a $2,000 fur coat, but you know, if it's something that can give them some sense of normalcy so they can have wider teeth when they're on their Zoom calls, they can feel more normal. They can feel like they're they're getting ahead while they're at home. Maybe they're displaced in their job or uncertain. Can we provide certainty during these times? Can we make them feel good about themselves while also feeling good about giving back? Those are the tenets of um, you know of our business, 
And all we did was shine a stronger light on them so that we can go to sleep at night knowing we're doing the right thing. Um, the unfortunate thing is right now customers are having, typically we get products out, you know, same day, um, you know, whether, you know, to 200 plus countries that we ship to, that we can ship to, um, we're getting a product out very quickly. That's been a, a big part of our success. But when we have sales spikes, because we are a small company, we don't have infinite inventory and it is a physical product. Unfortunately, customers are having to wait a little bit longer. So we brought ahead our spring sale of 25% off. We said, let's go ahead and give that now. Give people, you know, 25% off of their order. Give them free shipping because shipping will take a little bit longer from, you know, even though we're still shipping from Arizona, we still are waiting for some of our suppliers to keep up with us, catch up to us. So just constantly playing offense while playing future defense by playing devil's advocate and then listening to the pulse and the voice of our customers. And if they don't like something, why don't they like it? Is it material? Can we change it? Do we need to have that there? Just you really, really in these times have to have the pulse on your team. Does everyone feel good? Is everyone feeling comfortable working from home? Do they need a desk, faster internet, whatever it is that they need? jumping on our weekly calls so that everybody can go around and say what they're working on, what they're proud of. We created a wins channel inside of Slack so people can share their wins, you know, just really upping the ante on our communication, kind of like a long distance relationship. You've got to up the ante on that communication in order to, you know, thrive. And so we've done it internally. We've upped the communication to our customers. We're doing everything we can to get products to them as fast as possible. We're giving them discounts. We're just doing everything that we have in our power to remain true to our brand while also, you know, um, taking advantage of the fact that a lot of people are at home. They can't go to the dentist. They don't want to go to the store. Well, let's double down on e-commerce and direct the consumer relationship and be on the pulse of that communication. That's incredible, man. I, I think that that's there's so much in there to unpack that I, I think that everybody's going to be taking notes just as I am right now. So. Um, yeah, I want to take a step back here real quick. So one one of the most or one one of the craziest things for myself just in the last couple of uh, in the last couple of years, just for a little bit of um, information for the listeners. So I used to work for Josh uh, two years ago. I used to run a lot of media for for Snow. Um, and nowadays, uh, when when I uh, nowadays when I'm talking in a social circle or an e-commerce circle, and we're talking about clients that we've worked with and people and businesses that we've impacted and those kind of things. Anytime that I bring up snow, it's like I flip on a light switch in someone. <laughs> like you can just see immediately the the reaction of people. They recognize it. They they uh, they they notice it as an international brand. So I mean, obviously, this monster that you've created that, that's in over two hundred countries, well over hundreds of thousands of customers. But let's back up. Where I, I know I've heard your story in bits and pieces, but I'd love to dive in a little bit to how you got your start. Yeah, I mean, uh, really, my start start was, um, you know, I started at a really, really young age. So I've been doing this now for 14 years in terms of uh, internet marketing, web development, etc. It started off when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old. Um, I'd always been fascinated by computers. And I learned how to develop websites uh, and design websites early on. Then I started doing that for other people. And that kind of ballooned into, um, you know, very successful agency. And then along the way, started to build um, different brands and promote different products. 
um, and then continue to build that agency out from, you know, charging $500 for a website toward the end, charging $50,000 and up for a website just by building that clientele, that portfolio, um, increasing our abilities um, and, you know, networking, et cetera. But really it started off as I wanted to, I wanted to make some money. Um, nobody wanted to hire me because I was too young. Um, I had to figure something out. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur growing up. I wanted to be a doctor and I just stumbled into, um, oh, wow, I want to, you know, I can make a website and people would pay me to make a website. Oh, I, I guess I'm an entrepreneur now. <laughs> and and so do you come from, are your parents entrepreneurial or wh where were they along this route? Yeah, you know, my my mom, you know, back in the day, you know, 30, 40 years ago, she, um, she, she had a, a, a hair salon um, and, you know, she, she, um, she was running her own hair salon and, and managing that. But, you know, growing up, you know, no one around me was running a business, like no one in the family, no one around me, no one in my neighborhood. So entrepreneurship just wasn't, it wasn't a thing. Like all the values were taught as I was growing up from my parents and from around me in terms of grit, in terms of perseverance, in terms of figuring things out and, you know, being self-sufficient, but um, actual true, like, you know, my, my, I couldn't look to my left and right. Like my brother runs his own dental practice or my sister's an entrepreneur or my mom's, you know, running this business right now. Like I didn't have any of that look to look left or right of. Um, and really within my community, I grew up in a really poor community. Um, you know, I never wanted for really anything. My parents did a good job of putting a roof over my head all the time and food and, you know, but I certainly didn't have like, you know, oh, my, my so-and-so's an entrepreneur. So I could never point to someone who was running a business um, so I had to look to books. I had to look to YouTube. I had to look to blogs. I had to look to internet marketing forums. I had to look to those places to find people who were running businesses that I could look up to and, uh, and really looking internally at myself of what I wanted to do and just kind of take what I had in front of me. And I got to tell you, it was, you know, I don't know what would have changed if I had, you know, a dad who was you know running a business or something like that. I don't know, you know, but I certainly with the internet and the democratization um, and decentralization of information and resources, um, I had more than enough at my fingertips for zero cost that there really wasn't an excuse to be like, oh, well, you know, my dad's an entrepreneur, so I can't be an entrepreneur. It was just like, it's all right here. Oh, Bill Gates story. Let me read it. Oh, Steve Jobs story. Let me read it. Oh, wow. These guys started off with nothing and like they didn't know what they were doing in the beginning. That sounds like me. Oh, Mark Cuban. What did he do? And you realize that a lot of these very successful, you know, admired, highly admired uh, business leaders were started in a very similar, sometimes worse, sometimes better uh, position that I was starting at. So I drew a lot of um, connections to their origin stories and realized that, you know, nobody, nobody owes me anything. Um, starting from nothing means that I don't have to end with nothing and that I'm ultimately the variable that's going to determine the level of success I see in life. And so I knew that I had to work on becoming a better version of myself, a better entrepreneur, a better leader. Um, and then over time, I would build that network of entrepreneurs around me who I could lean on. But in the beginning, it was all virtual, you know, YouTube, you know, YouTube's uh, YouTube videos, um, books, you know, um, just learning from other people that those were my role models. So let's let's dive into that a, a little bit. Um, when, when 
you know, it's so uncommon to hear that type of story. It's it's common to hear that type of story at the very top, right? But if you look at the averages, if you look at statistical averages of kids who grow up in, in, in a in a you know poverty situation, it's so unlikely for them to end up where you've ended up today, right? So what do you think was really the aha moment that got you uh, away from that type of mind, you know, away from the poverty mindset, away from, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe bl- the blame mindset, the, the, the detrimental mindset to society. Like, what do you think it was that actually flipped that switch in your head? Well, I know a big part of it, like necessity is the mother of invention. And for me, you know, uh, growing up in the circumstances I grew up in facing adversity, um, and kind of being the underdog from, from day one and, just not not using that as an excuse to not be successful, but using that as an empowerment device so that I could, you know, prove myself right more than anyone else. It wasn't necessary like I'm going to prove other people wrong. You know, I know that that can be a huge motivator for a lot of people. For me, it was the overall trigger of doubt from society, society and from statistical averages of someone growing up in my neighborhood. Um, you know, it was more likely to drop out of high school you know, and work a, you know, uh, you know, a, a low paying job or a job with, you know, a labor job or whatever it might be. That's just, that's just what was around me. So the statistics based on where I grew up, it wasn't, it wasn't go to university and, you know, be a doctor or, you know, run a multi-million dollar business that just wasn't around in my neighborhood. That just wasn't a thing. And so for me, it was like, I want to be a role model for my community, for my high school you know, um, for my future kids one day, like I want to, yeah, I've got one life, I'm going to give it all I got. And I think the epiphany, the moment of, of epiphany was really just around, wow, the internet doesn't discriminate how old I am. It doesn't discriminate that I don't have money. It doesn't discriminate you know, where I come from, anything. It's, it's an open opportunity for anybody who's willing to put in the work. And I made the decision that it was, it was much more difficult to just sit back, you know, not have money or success and just kind of just sit back and take what life gives you, which is not much. And I pity myself that that was more painful. You know, in life, you have you have um, uh, two choices. You have um, a discipline or you have regret. And so, you know, I decided early on that I there's a and there's a balance there. But I decided that I wanted to be as disciplined as I could be so that I put every stacked every odd in my favor by, you know, working as hard as I could, staying as focused as I could, you know, and also keeping up my grades. You know, I graduated valedictorian of my high school and I graduated from university in in about uh, just under two years uh, with my honors degree and straight A's. And, you know, it, for me, it's like, how can I put my absolute all into what I'm doing? How can I be honest and truthful with myself? And how can I focus on leveling up my character in the game of life and business so that I can be someone that I would want to look up to. And so that just kind of became slowly but surely part of it. And I said, it's, you know, I understand what it's like not to have money. I understand what it's like to be doubted. I was like, I want to see the other side of the coin, but I've got to earn it. So I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired and pitting myself and just, you know, all of that. And I said, I am, I am going to be a statistic, but I'm going to be a statistic in the other direction and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. So it's an interesting 
conversation that I've actually been having a lot with uh, with the people on the podcast lately. So you did a lot of entrepreneurs have this college, no college. I'm already starting a business. Why do I need college? But then they end up going to college anyways, including, you know, including myself, including a lot of the people I've talked to. Why'd you go to college? So, okay, a couple reasons, because I get I speak to, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a partner in a, uh, in a university foundation. And so I, I fly around the country during the summer, um, talking to the university, the students at the universities rad, this program um, is for high school juniors going into their senior year who come from underserved communities, who don't maybe have a role model in terms of a college education in their family, they might be they're usually first generation college students. So, um, and they have an entrepreneurial twist. They're interested in some way, shape or form about entrepreneurship or at least the virtues of that. And um, when I'm speaking in front of these students, they'll ask me the same question. They go, hey, if you're making all this money or you were doing well, or, you know, why'd you go to college if you saw that you could be a successful successful entrepreneur, you didn't need it? Well, a couple of reasons. One, you know, just, just logistically and transparently, um, graduating valedictorian with, you know, pretty much straight A's, you know, top of my class from high school, I applied to every scholarship that I could apply to um, so that I could, you know, um, continue to build my business. Um, and I, my business was doing very well. And I was like, you know, doing well, but every dollar I had was going right back to the business. So I was like, if I have to pay for my own, you know, $100,000, $200,000 education, it, it's it's much more likely that I'm going to drop out. I just kind of felt that was the case. I just felt it. Um Ultimately, here's why. One, when I was 13, 14, I, I became a voracious reader. I was not, a, I was a reader of like Harry Potter and stuff as a kid, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I became a voracious reader. Um, you know, I learned how to communicate my ideas. I learned how to put the work in around school using groups and teammates and helping each other out. Like I figured out a lot of the school system in the sense of, I've got to turn in every single piece of homework. That's going to give me the best odds of a good grade. Like I figured that stuff out. So for me, school after that became easier than to other students, not because it just was easy, but because I became better at this whole school thing. So um, that was one piece too, because I ended up getting some scholarships that helped pay for a lot of my college. I ended up staying local instead of going to, you know, like Stanford or, or Harvard. Um, I stayed at Arizona State University, staying in my home city. Um, so allowed me to keep growing my business. Um, and I, I figured if it ever came down to it, worst case scenario, 18 to 22, I'm a, practically a baby. I, I give up quote unquote, four years of my life. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm 22 at the end of this, I'm 22, 23 years old. I've got 60, 70 years ahead of me. It's not going to kill me. And I had, you know, um, who's now my, my partner in the foundation and, and a mentor of mine, say you go to college to learn how to learn. And um, there's a huge value to that uh, of learning how to learn and learning how to read, read textbooks and Shakespeare and how to construct ideas and communicate those deals, work in groups. Now, is it worth $200,000 out of pocket and the opportunity cost? I don't know. Like I can have a whole debate around college is very expensive. A university education is expensive. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur, how applicable is that? I, I Sure, I can have a philosophical debate around that. But ultimately... If, you know, either if your parents are paying for and they expect you to go for that or you have scholarships or you feel like you want to learn how to learn some more. Um, I think there's been a, a martyrdom of, of university education because of the fact that so much education is available for free online and accessible. But at the end of the day, I don't regret the two years I spent to university. 
you know, uh, at all one bit one, because I'd have to pay for it all myself. Um, scholarships, you know, helped. I put the work in to get those scholarships. They were not given to me. Um, and then I was able to still run my business while taking 22 credits a semester um, and getting straight A's. So for me, it was just like, I was able to do that. And it's not like I'm some child prodigy. It's simply that I was, I had built the work ethic, the ability to work in groups and ask for help, like all that type of stuff. And those are the things that allowed me to graduate so quickly with such great grades. So if you have the opportunity like me where maybe, you know, you're not going to have to pay for it out of your pocket or you feel like you could utilize some of those skill sets of learning how to learn, all those type of things. I think there's an adultification that uh, in terms of learning methodology that comes from going to university, going to college. And I feel like that's hard to mimic online unless you're a super strong self-studier or self-study. Like it's very difficult to mimic the environment of a college university. I lived on the, I lived in a dorm room for the first year. I'm around students who are all hungry to learn. And like, if, if that environment is available to you, it's, you know, I don't know if it's worth 200,000 bucks, but it's certainly worth something. I think that like from an intellectual standpoint, I was curious enough to where I could have done it without, without all of, you know, the, the $200,000 or whatever you pay for a university. I'm just interested to see how the university adapts and changes in the next, in the coming years. Cause I think that there's obviously going to have to be something that they're going to have to do something different. Otherwise people are, it's going to become obsolete. Uh, at least in my opinion. Um, so you graduated college. Um, you, you graduated college. You were you were still building your businesses while you while you were graduating college. At what point? So take me from there to Snow, or was Snow already in the picture? Yeah. Uh, so you know, uh, I graduated right at tw- I was twenty years old, and uh, I graduated. I I, fi- I finished my last class in the summer. Um, so. I remember walking out of my last class. There was really nobody on campus. And, um, you know, I walked out, I walked out of my last class, looked around and in my head, you know, I was, I had been sharing school and business since I was 13 years old. And it was the first moment where I no longer had to, um, give up, you know, essentially half of my week to school. And so it was the first time that I could spend the hundred percent of my time on business and on growing myself and those aspects. And so it was like a rebirth. Um, I felt like I had literally, you know, exited the womb, the womb as a, ba- a newborn baby at 20 years old. So I, for me, I've really only been alive for coming on six or you know, coming six years, coming on seven years. I'm 27 now. So I feel like I've only been alive in that aspect for six or seven years. Um, and the first six years were like training wheels and, and learning how to do things. But um, snow didn't come along until I, you know, right when I graduated high school, I started working, you know, 16 hours a day, seven days a week, non, nonstop. Um, and, uh, you know, that for me, I didn't know what, that was the first time I could do that. And it, and it, what it did is it led to a delayed burnout. You know, I, I burnt myself out, um, I was able to, you know, build significant assets um, by just putting so much focus to work in and building a great team and all that. And uh, when it came time for me to take money off the table, I did. And um, I kind of didn't know what to do with myself after that because I was just so used to working 16 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, it was like a delayed burnout because I was just so used to go, 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 go. It was like school, 22 credits a semester, honors. I went to honors college at Arizona State. 
So like it was like doing my master's thesis and like all this stuff while running a multi-million dollar company. And like, it was just so, so, so much. Um, then I went to essentially take the money off the table. I was no longer in school. I was no longer operating, you know, a big business. I was just like, what do I do with myself? And um, I had been uh, wanting to get jaw surgery for the longest period of time um, since I was like 13, 14. Since I first got put in braces, they kind of had an idea that I was going to eventually probably need to have jaw surgery because I had a jaw misalignment that caused tension, headaches, migraines, jaw pain, et cetera, TMJ. So um, because I speak essentially for a living in terms of, you know, I'm always talking, um, I would get these horrible pains and horrible headaches within the first hour of the day. And it would just, I just got used to that pain. So I finally got to the point, I said, look, I've got some money I can pay for, you know, this jaw surgery. I've got some time to recover. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, go for the jaw surgery. And the whole, that whole process opened me up to the world of oral care. And um, through that, I bought, you know, countless products from Amazon, from all kinds of websites, from my dental office, my orthodontist, my oral surgeon, just so I could, you know, prep for this jaw surgery, the recovery. And um, I just looked at all the products and said, gosh, these are so ugly. And, uh, you know, why, why hasn't anyone, you know, made these beautiful? And like, what about the ingredients? They all look the same. I don't even know what these are. And just, you know, I started to see what was happening. People were becoming more conscious over what, pro um, what type of food they were putting in their body. They were becoming more conscious with the type of, you know, products they were putting on their body. Um, and you see like native deodorant and, you know, all the plenty of brands that have been, you know, drunk elephants in the skincare space. You, you know, you see all these brands launched around that time as people started to become conscious of the products they were putting on their body, not just in their body. And I said, well, oral care is something you put on your body as well as in your body. You're ingesting it, um, even if it's sublingually. So I'm like, why has there, you know, I think this is the next trend. And I was also at the time, I realized that I needed to chase difficulty in my life. That's the reason why I found fulfillment in my day to day was that I was chasing difficulty. And I said, I need to choose a market that is almost impossible to break into something that I could do if I needed to for 50 years, you know, something that grew with population growth. I was just at a point where I was ready for the Olympics of brand building. And I felt like I was lacking a purpose and it just happened to coincide with me having jaw surgery me starting to do research in the oral care market and realizing it was going to be almost impossible for me to break into such an established dormant category. Um, but I had motivation with my two best friends who had started a company called Tough the Needle, um, which was the first bed in a box company before Casper. And they, you know, uh, built that into a multi hundred million dollar business. They bootstrapped it. I was in the backseat of that watching what they were doing and getting motivated and inspired by that and said, what is my bed in the box going to be like? What am I going to do? And it just happened. Oral care happened to kind of fall in my lap in that aspect. And I said, okay, only a psychopath would want to create a brand in this space and, and, and dedicate their life to it. And I said, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the most difficult thing. And it just, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to create the first version of the website. I'm going to start formulating the product. Um, and since pretty much day one, Every product we sold, and I, I was the one doing all the work in the beginning. I printed the labels, et cetera. But since day one, um, every product has been created from scratch, you know, by us. So everything that anything else that's out there that looks like us is certainly not, you know, a knockoff or a counterfeit or something like that. We're constantly taking those guys down. But um, yeah, I mean, that was something I wanted to challenge myself to the highest degree to say, 
and even calling it snow, you know, which has been called that from, from since the day I thought of it, um, was like, I want to pick a name that is going to become a household name if we do this right. And I'm willing to go balls to the wall. But if I fail and I want to open up the kimono and show other entrepreneurs what I'm doing, what's working, what's not working, all the process along the way, the achievements along the way, um, so that even if I lost everything and you know died as a result of this, it would be a learning experiment that I would gain satisfaction from by sharing that with others. You said that when you were kind of in that graduating college phase slash and still in the middle of starting your own business, you said that you had to take um, sort of a step back and ensure that burnout didn't occur, right? So obviously it doesn't sound like your day is a light day of sitting on the couch and watching TV right now, right? So I want to know, and I know so many entrepreneurs that struggle with this exact topic, right? You, we're all young, but we're all starting to get into a family stage, a family age, and that kind of thing. How do you, with all of this going on in your life, uh, prohibit yourself from getting burnt out? Um, you know, part I know part of it is um, a part of it is I don't have the um, opportunity to burn out. So, like, and I, I know that that's dangerous, but like, what I mean by that is. Um, I have such amazing people who are part of this team and so many eyeballs that are watching this, you know, hundreds of thousands of eyeballs watching this business and rooting for our success, rooting for the underdog. We are very much still the underdog um, that there just isn't a, there isn't a time for that. And what I realized is that um, you have to have a balance. So, you know, I try to remain as balanced as I, you know, possibly can with the weekends, you know, um, you know, I still watch Netflix at night. I watch documentaries. I watch funny shows, you know, trash TV. You know, I try to, you know, be involved in the community, stay grounded. I try to have a mix of that so that my ego doesn't get in the way, um, you know, so that I can remain human and have human interactions and connections. Um, but also understand that, you know, everything happens in its own time. You don't bake a dozen cupcakes um, any faster by turning up the heat, you burn them. So like, you know, you don't grow a tree faster by overwatering it. So what I've learned is that there's, you know, the, the joy of achievement, um, and being addicted to the joy of achievement is about a million battles, um, versus just one, you know, win of a war. And so I, I've learned to appreciate and be very cognizant as well of my emotions throughout the way. So I, some days I wake up and I'm just like naturally just down. Like I just don't feel like doing a lot. So I listen to my body. I try to, you know, and usually I can push past that. I grab a cup of coffee. I start hopping on my calls and right after that I'm fired up and I'm good to go again. But I try to watch it. I try to vacation when I can. I try to unplug when I can. And then also zoom out and see what we built so far. Be proud of those achievements. Be proud of the team I have around me. But long story short, I've learned that burnout is, is something that is very real. Depression is something that's very real. Anxiety is something that's very real. But it's it's something that you manage. It's something you manage around. It's something that you try to remain conscious of. But it's it's a part of life. It's a way of life. And you don't disrupt the market. You don't build something big um, without going through the range of emotions, without you know the frivolous lawsuits. And things like That's just part of it. And so you just have to realize that when you're building something significant and when you're sticking to it, 
stick to why stick to the why of what you're doing. Um, look to your team, lean on your team or the people around you. Um, even if that's a YouTube video, being the person around you, um, and take take advantage of every evening to say, "Wow, what did I get done today?" Instead of "What didn't I get done?" Now I'm stressed out. I'm so I'm such a slacker. It's like, how am I going to be better tomorrow? So I've I've learned to take day by day, and I'm no longer running by a certain number in my head of like this business needs to be this size or this. For me, it's like, are we growing? Are we learning? Are we inspiring? Are we impacting? Are we delivering or over-delivering for our customers? What can we do better? We're learning along the way. That's it. I've taken like a longer view of things uh, in terms of like my expectation versus like, you know, I need, this needs to be a million dollar company by tomorrow. Or It's like, it's going to be what it's going to be. And all I need to focus on is our effort, my effort, my ability to lead and my ability to get better. If you focus on things that are in your control, and you give yourself patience and, and the space and ability to do that, over time, you will always end up in a better space. And, and I realize everything passes, even the worst of worst that can happen to you, it passes. And it's not that you forget about it, you learn from it. But even the worst things that could happen to you in life or business, um, you know, as long as you, you can wake up that next morning, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to breathe uh, you know, and be able to type and to be able to talk it's a blessing to do that. And so for me, every day is just a blessing. Another day I have to thank those around me, help build those people up around me, but also ultimately be the best example that I can be for anybody who's watching me. So it sounds like I think that there are quite a few watching you, especially just within your inner circle and in your internal team at Snow. Um, and I'm always fascinated by the way that people build their teams, especially when there's no blueprint. It's not like this is a giant, giant company corporation and you have a process with HR. I'd love to know uh, who was your first hire at Snow and why? So, um, you know, I've been fortunate to have like a lot of people that were in my life that wanted to help out from from, you know, the start. And this is Snow is not my first rodeo. And one thing I try to point out as much as possible, especially when I'm speaking in front of younger, younger people's, you know, um, my, my lifestyle, I'd give up, I'd give up my cars, you know, I'd give up my Ferrari in a heartbeat I'd give up everything just to give me one more day to, to, to keep pushing how I'm pushing. So for me, you know, I pay myself $60,000 a year in the business cause I have to, um, because of tax reasons, that's it. I don't take any distributions. You know, I'm afraid to even swipe the card for coffee or a meal, um, every dollar. And, and on top of that, you know, millions of my own money has gone into, you know, our patents, our trademarks, our research and development. Like, you know, I, I'm all in on this brand being whatever it's going to be. Um, and I've accepted that that could be an IPO, that could be a family business, that could be a lifestyle business, that could be a, a failure, it could be a bankruptcy, whatever it is. And so I think that attracted early on the people around me to say, you know, Josh Cody has a track record of success. He's hardworking. You know, I built the first version of the website. I wrote the first ads. You know, everything was done by my own hands, uh, even down to printing labels and stuff that the people around me wanted to help out. And I think the 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 big first hire was really around um, operations, kind of the, uh, you know, printing out labels, the stuff that took time that I just, I needed to focus on media buying. I needed to focus on the product. I needed to focus on, you know, driving sales, making sure that that stuff was good. Um, so my first hires were around 
you know, printing out labels and, and shipping. And we still do all of our own fulfillment, 100% of it in Phoenix, Arizona. We don't outsource any of that. Customer support is all in-house now. Um, so in the beginning, it was like customer support, fulfillment, um, and then eventually, you know, media buying and web design and web development. But I think it started with how do I, what do I need to do to operate this business? I need to get customers. Okay, I can do that. And then I need to fulfill the product, get them the product that they ordered, and then I need to support that product. So those are the three basics of an e-commerce business. The highest, uh, the highest importance is the first one, which is getting the customer, because without revenue, without profit, you don't have a business. So it was like, okay, I need to stay in control of that in the meantime, but I can hire out someone to pick and pack orders for me, take them to the post office. I can order someone to answer, uh, or I can hire someone to answer um, customer support inquiries, Facebook comments, things like that, that are very vital to your business actually succeeding, um, but not necessarily as vital as bringing in sales because without sales, no one else would have a job. So little by little, I started taking things off of my plate from conversion optimization, copywriting, all those type of things. I started hiring for things that I was doing, but I was doing 100% of it when this business started because I knew how to web develop, I knew how to web design, I knew how to write copy. If I didn't know something, I learned it. And I'm talking about as, as a millionaire, I was learning from scratch how to do things because I wanted to eventually hire the best people I could find. And you don't know who's good unless you know, understand how to grade their work. And so, you know, I could have simply said, you know what, I'm going to hire 20 people from day zero. Um, I don't want to do any, I don't want to touch any of the product. I don't want to call any of the customers. Uh, yuck. I just want to show off that I got this business and I want to take money from the business and buy me a Lambo. Like I could have done that. That's not who I am. That's not what I did. And I, I every dollar was tracked as closely as possible. And I said, okay, I'm going to treat this business like if I had no money and like I always do, and I'm going to do all the work that I can myself to get it to a million bucks. And then after a million bucks, I can start to layer on, okay, first hire is in charge of getting packages out and helping with customer support. Second hire is only in charge of getting uh, products out so the other person can focus on customer support. Third hire is only doing customer support. So now I've got one dedicated fulfillment, one dedicated support, and someone overseeing both of them and helping with other parts of the business. And you just like slowly but surely, sometimes fast, you build out those 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 parts of your team. And now, you know, uh, we still rely on a lot of agencies, consultants, advisors, um, but our team is only about 20, 25 strong in terms of the internal in the Phoenix office. Um, and we rely on incredible agencies and other people's people in the meantime, because it's not always the next best affordable step to bring someone in-house. It might be more affordable, but it might not be what's next and it might not be what's best at the moment. So you speak you speak quite a bit on uh, you know the the startup and and, and pouring your your own capital in there. And I think it's completely ad admirable. And, and uh, how, however, what was the internal battle, or was there an internal battle between bootstrapping and finding money and VC and and, and angel investors? Why why did you decide to go, or have you decided to go completely bootstrapped, and why? Yeah. So um, really, it's it's come down to. What, what am I used to? Um, and every business I built and sold, um, even up to this point of, um, 
of snow you know right now we're looking at potentially bringing on some some equity partners in, in exchange for equity financing um we're looking at some debt vehicles like lines of credit and things like that but you know that's the first time in this in this business we're looking at those things but um for me it's always been like uh i don't want to take someone else's money what if i fail and like what if i lose someone's money and like for me, it was like, I'm going to bet on myself first, see where I can go with it. And then I'm going to bring on partners and then I'm going to, you know, get it to a point that I've de-risked a lot of the execution market risk early on, found product market fit, product market founder fit, um, finding that connection and proving that out and then saying, hey, guys, I built this up to X million dollars. Would you now like to be a partner with me? Um, and I just that's just what I knew. That's just what I've always done. I've always bootstrapped businesses. I've always self-funded businesses. Even if it was a hundred bucks, turn it to 200, turn it to 300. You know, that's just what I've always done. But I will tell you that looking out in the future, if you're an experienced entrepreneur or you are willing to put in the work and you have a great idea or you have a great product market fit, um, uh, OP is the strongest you know acronym you can think of. It's just other people, other people's money is the fastest way to grow your business. Now, I'm not saying go raise a bunch of money and be unprofitable and see what happens, but other people, other people's people, other people's money, other people's time, other people's influence with celebrities and influencer marketing and retailers, like other people's shelf space, everything regarding other people. If you grow a business big enough, you can no longer just rely on yourself. You have to rely on other people. So learning to delegate was something that I really focused on learning how to be a leader and not just a founder and a CEO, but really a, a true leader. What does that mean? Um, and how to attract, you know, a, a plus players. And, you know, what does that mean? And what would I want if I was an A plus player? Where would I want to work? Do I want to work for, you know, some, some, some hot shot or thinks he's a hot shot that just wants to, you know, slave drive everybody so that he can get a bigger house? You know, like, do I want to work for that? No. You know, do I or do I want to work for someone who's actually on a mission and is giving themselves up completely? And for me, part of that is putting in your money, putting in your time, whatever you have to give to a business shows your commitment. And I think that that attracts uh, incredible talent. And then taking it to that next level, if you want to continue to grow, if you can do it internally, great. If you can continue to sell fun and do that, great. But I got to tell you, there's nothing. There's nothing more powerful than um you know than than capital i mean capital is the is the lever that allows you to hire better people more people bigger agencies create more products at a, on a faster timeline there's just like a lot that you can do if you're a capital efficient focused business particularly if you're profitable and you're already bootstrapped and self-funded adding more capital as long as you disperse that and utilize that correctly which for us when we get any access to money it's going to inventory that we're already selling. It's going to marketing that's already working. It's going to team members that are we desperately need that can add a lot of value to the team. You know, it's going to brand building assets, you know, celebrity deals, retail partnerships. That's where our money's going. It's not going into getting a playpen and a jungle gym and a basketball court for our office. We run with a very, very lean startup uh, mentality. So we're very capital efficient. And I think that if I was to give money to an entrepreneur, I've done several uh, angel investments over the last 10 years. And, um, you know, along that path, I thought of who, you know, who did I enjoy giving money to? 
And who did I really believe in? And who did I want to write a bigger check for? And how can I be an example of that type of person that someone would say a bank or an investment institution would say, Josh, is, we're betting on Josh even more so than we're betting on Snow, but Snow's killing it. We love the brand. We love the market. We love what you guys are doing with it. We're going to partner with you. But most importantly, we love Josh and the team he's built because we're betting on those guys to take it to the finish line. And that for me has been the determination of do I self-fund? Do I raise money? It's doing what's next best and affordable. For me, at the, at the beginning, raising money didn't make sense because I didn't know what this was, what we were going to be able to do. I didn't know if it was just going to be a one hit wonder. Could we actually build a brand around this? And you kind of, you know, fall in love in certain aspects with what you're doing and you believe in what you're doing, hopefully, that you start to pour your own money into it. You give up a big salary, you give up distributions because you want to see the, the curiosity tugs on you of where you can take this. And now we're at a point where we are welcome to entertaining partners who are on the equity side who can give us access to capital in a much more efficient manner and much more uh, quick, uh, quick manner so that we can continue, you know, dominating our industry and protecting our brand. Um, you know, I'm not stupid to the fact that if we have, you know, more capital, we can do things um, much more quickly. We can hire more people. We can, you know, build more products. We can just do a lot more. And I, I thought about it. I said, what am I doing this in general? I'm doing this. To, to, to do a lot. I'm doing this to, to, to grow big. I'm doing, you know, I'm going big or I'm going home. So, you know, that's when I've, I've had that change in temperature around raising outside capital. So we talk about going big, right? So I don't know many entrepreneurs out there that stick their neck out there in the same way that you do in the sense that like a lot of people know you as Josh Snow. Right. That's pretty crazy. It's, it's, it's not your last name. I mean, so what was the what's the driving factor? What, what's the motivation for, you know, why why be so in front of your brand? What's what's the what's the driving factor for being the face of snow? And instead of just a lot of entrepreneurs, you don't even know that they're associated with the brand until you start looking into them, you know? Yeah, I mean that's it's a it's a it's a risky move if you don't know what you're building and you don't have the confidence in what you're building and and if you're not going to stick to it for a long period of time. It's like it's like going Facebook official, you know, with your brand. You know, it's like you know, I don't want to put that I don't want to take myself off the market if I don't feel confident what I'm doing, but it's like you're either all in or you're not. And for me, the 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 people I follow and I look up to, most of them are dead because I can see their entire life and I'm always digging for the, the closest, the, the strongest source of truth. And, and a lot of times, you know, when you don't have money, a lot of times there's an inclination to pretend you have a lot of money. And when your business is small, there's an inclination to pretend your business is big. When you have a monopoly, you say you don't have a monopoly. So like, it's hard in the process to understand what's really going on behind the scenes. And so I said, I want to be someone I would want to follow where I'm like, damn, this dude's sharing, sharing some gold nuggets here. Like, oh my, this is what he's actually doing today. And instead of waiting till I'm 60 and like, oh man, when I started snow, you know, we just stuck to our gut, you know, that's how you do it. And it's like, Josh, sticking to my gut is not going to help me build a business like yours. Like, what do I need to, and so the, the thing for me was I'm going to put my face out there because guess what? You can't follow the founder of Crest. You can't follow the founder of Colgate. And so I'm going to personify this brand 
I'm going to put my name on it because there's an, there's an underlying obligation to fulfill on what we're doing here and to, to remain uh, with integrity and all that stuff because it takes five seconds to look up the founder of Snow, send an email and say, hey, I haven't received my package or hey, I didn't like my results. The fact that I put myself out there really is just my, a testament to my commitment to wherever this is going to go, but also the transparency of what I'm building, what we're building, and you know, showing that to the world as a token of appreciation back to the entrepreneurial community, because I didn't do this alone. I looked up to lots of people. I learned from thousands of people. I've read thousands of books. I didn't just was I wasn't just born with the idea of snow and just knew everything. No. But the sources of truth that I followed were people who were transparent and showed the things that were working. They were open with what they were doing and all of that, you know, and the downfall of that sometimes, you know, it's like, you know, people will listen to this podcast and make, oh, I want to be like, Josh, I'm going to create a teeth whining company or oral care company. It's like, you know, uh, you got to watch out for the icebergs. You know, um, I could look at Nike and be like, oh, I'm just going to create a shoe company. You know, the iceberg is that Phil Knight has built a $50 billion company. And it seems like it was overnight. And like, I can make better shoes than Nike. Um, you know, unfortunately, if you go into, you know, uh, the shoe space, you're going to be, you know, infringing on some people that have much more resources than you. You got to be careful of that. So like, you know, unless you're Rothy's or Allbirds that are doing completely unique things, it's very difficult. So like, you know, there are a thousand industries for you to, to, to open a business in. You, you know, uh, you know what you know. So if you listen to too many of my podcasts, you're going to think you have to create an oral care company. Um, and unfortunately, every two or three weeks, I've had to re retain some very expensive um, legal counsel because we're having to take down people left and right. Because the chances are, if you're going into oral care, we're going to have to take you down only because there's not a, there's not a huge pool of inspiration in oral care. Like we don't even get our inspiration from oral care. So, you know, if you're getting inspiration from oral care, it's probably coming from us. You can't help it. It might be subconsciously. And unfortunately, we have to protect our brand at all costs. We have to protect our customers. So if it's if it's if it's a light activated system, you know, be careful. If it's plugging into your phone, we invented that. Be careful. Like there's a lot of stuff that, you know, and of course, you can go and look for knockoffs of our product, even on Amazon. You know, the, the there are knockoffs we're still going after legally to take those guys down and protect our IP. But um, that's the downside of it, but you know, that's just, you know, we've got great lawyers and that it is what it is. But the upside of it is that I get to, um, look internally and, and have kind of like a diary and a journal of being open about it and seeing that and having the chronicles of this story of whatever happens. And I get to share that with the world. And I also get to put a stamp of my name on it. Nobody buys a product because of me, but you know, the entrepreneurial community is like, wow, like I can't, I can't talk about what I do at the dinner table. You know, I sell, you know, someone who sells dick pills on, you know, Facebook cloaking their ads, you know, can't go to the family barbecue and talk about how their business is doing. I got to tell you, not that you need to look, you might run a, a boring business that makes a lot of money. Who cares about putting your face on it? This is, this is not for ego one whatsoever. This is not, this is not to make me feel good. This is for other people to see what we're doing and also to hold my ass to the fire so that other people can call me out. And, it, and as a result, I built an army, you know, I, I call them my snow troopers. Um, and, you know, the snow troopers will be like, Josh, I found this website in the Philippines. It's ripping you guys off. Hey, I found this. Hey, I have a global army 
of people who are, are supporting the underdog story. And I just like, I wake up every day and I'm like, I'm not doing this just for me, not just for my team, not just for my customers, not just for my family and my community. I'm also doing this for my extended community, which includes the entrepreneurs who want to follow someone who's actually doing it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not selling a get rich quick scheme where I'm like saying this is this is that, you know, I try to teach what I've actually done and what actually I believe works and um, and I'm actually doing it. And so I feel like those are the best professors. Those are the best teachers. And I said, maybe I could be, you know, and by the way, the, the, the selfish benefit is if you can teach something, you probably learned it pretty well, at least to be able to teach it to that point. So this makes me uh, a quick study and a deep study. And then um, by putting my face out there, um, you know, I also have the ability to post when someone is ripping us off or, um, you know, if we're looking to hire for something or if I'm looking for a resource, I can put it out there. And I've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs who are like, Josh, you've given me so many gold nuggets over the last few years or over the last few months. Here's the absolute best attorney that I recommend to you. Let me make a warm intro. And so I have this like recruitment force and this like army that I can lean on whenever I need something in the business. And guess what? I've created a build your own storybook, kind of like when I was a kid, I'd read those books that, you know, you can choose your own story, your own path. They get to, they get to input, um, you know, variables into the story and say, Hey, I recommended Josh to that, or, Hey, I, Oh my God, Josh took, a, you know, took advantage of that connection. I mean, that's awesome. So they get to involve themselves in what we're building. And I try to give that right back to them by in any way, shape or form that I can, whether it's lending my network to someone, uh, if they're looking for someone to hire or whatever it is, lending my resources, whatever it is I can do to give back. I just believe the more that I can give back, um, the, the more fulfilled I'll feel at the end of the day. And I try to give without expecting anything in return. And I feel that that long-term outlook on giving has somehow um, resulted in me having more in terms of like my network and all of that. But at the end of the day, snow could go bust, you know, and nobody's invincible to anything, you know. But for me, it was like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Like, I've got nothing else to do. And, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to build a personal brand and learn a lot and, you know, have great resources. And, you know, and I end up losing all my money. I lose the business, but I'm not going to start from ground zero again. I'm going to start from experience with the network, with the transparency, with the trust uh, of a lot of people. So I feel like you have to build a business in that way. If you want to go big and you want to go long term, you can't go in it thinking, I want to be rich. I want to make all this money. I want to do this. I got to tell you the, that stuff, that feeling for me, at least, um, uh, very quickly. Um, and so I had to look for another marker to score my life by. And for me, been impact so far, um, at least over the last few years, I've been focused on impact. And uh, you, you get for every million fans or followers or friends, you know, you get one or two or three, four or five percent, depending on the, the day of people who are skeptics or people who want to rip you off. That's just part of it, of getting out there and, and putting your face out there. But I'm not going to stop. I'm never going to stop trying to help other people because I feel good about it. Um, I, I get hundreds of DMs a day of people listening to these podcasts and these interviews. And that's why I do it. And uh, I'm not going to stop doing it no matter what it takes. 
So Josh, I've got I've got one final question for you. And thank and just again, I want to reiterate, thank you so much for coming on here today, man. I, I really appreciate it. And, and and so my my one final question for you is if you're God for the day, where is snow in the next five years? Uh, I think that we're um you know, we're a household name of some sort. You know, maybe we have, you know, millions of people using our toothpaste every day. Um, you know, I, I think that being a household name of some sort and having a positive effect when when I say, hey, I'm a team member at Snow and they go, oh my gosh, I love your guys' products or oh my gosh, my I have you to thank for my smile or your, my confidence or whatever it is. I feel like that is the, uh, the zenith of brand building is to become a household name of some sort. And maybe not everybody knows us, not everybody uses us, but everybody might know about us or they may have seen us. And I feel like getting the opportunity to be in front of that many people and then earning the right to be in a small percentage of those people's homes and that they rely on us two times a day to brush with us, to whiten with us, to floss with us, you know, to, to put our products, you know, in their home, I think is the ultimate stamp. And then to rebuy the products, to, to, to vote again for us would be huge, huge, huge. And that means that We've got to be in as many places as possible so the customers can buy what they choose to buy to make sure our products are differentiated. They have the quality to make sure that we stay in business and we continue to grow and get better. Um, that, I think, would be the epitome of, of the success as a brand builder. That's perfect, man. So, Josh, uh, where can people find you? <laughs> I'm hoping they know how to use Google, but where can people find you if they're looking for you, man? I'm, I'm Josh Snow on Instagram, J-O-S-H-S-N-O-W on Instagram. That's the best place to follow kind of behind the scenes of what I'm doing. And then we're at Snow, uh, S-N-O-W on Instagram. We're also at Snow on TikTok. Um, we're also at Snow on Facebook, facebook.com slash snow. And then if you just Google Snow Teeth Whitening, Snow Oral Care, Try Snow, Josh Snow, any of those variations, you'll find me and, and everything else that we're putting out there. Incredible. Hey, man, thank you so much again. Thanks, John. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Talk soon.